I must needs go on by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home, leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights sublime, where the soul is at home with God, the way of the cross leads home, leads home. The way of the cross leads home, leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward, onward go. Farewell to the way of the world, to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come, and I seek my home, where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home, leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. the preaching today. It's not always appropriate for us to do this, but let's do this now before the preaching begins. Let's give Brother Gallus a hand. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. If you've enjoyed the food, then uh, I don't know if they're still out there, the food people, uh, let's give them a hand so they fed you, took care of you. Sound booth people made a good job. We appreciate all of that. Appreciate the colleges coming in, you guys being here to make this a great day. We always we do this every year. We started this as uh, just for our teenagers. Just was something we were doing for our church. And we figured, you know, if we're going to do it for the 20 kids that are coming here, uh, then we may as well just invite people because it costs the same amount to bring a speaker in, whether they're speaking to 20 people or whether they're speaking to, to 100 people. So we just started inviting you to come. Uh, we can feed people pretty cheap. And so it's just been a joy over the years to... Uh, to see the kids coming in. How many of you, this is more, how many times have you been here? Let's see, I've been here twice, Pastor John. At least twice, three times, four times, five times. 
Have I been here five times? All right, so we've got a little, we've got a five-timer up here. So uh, we've been doing this for years. We were trying to, did you ever figure out, Pastor Joe, what it was? I don't have any idea. Pastor Joe was the assistant pastor here when we started it. He's now pastoring a church in Ohio. Pastor Andrew, you might remember him from last year, is now pastoring a church in Minnesota. So we have Pastor Brett still with us. He can't leave. And, uh, but uh, we're thrilled when, our, when God uses the people, the men that we raise up. And so uh, Andrew's doing a great job there in Minnesota now, too. So looking forward to that. Let's stand. We're going to sing You Are Always Good. Last song for us to sing together as a group. So let's sing it out good and loud. You are always good.
reminded that not just that Christ died for sin, which is true, but that it was nothing that I could do. It was not trying to be a better boy. It was not trying to obey my parents better, like we heard in the earlier service. It was simply trusting Christ. And I'm very thankful that I responded to God's call of salvation at that time in my life. I've had some sobering reminders recently that we expect to live on forever, but that's not the case. I've been reminded even intimately of people who are much younger than I and passed on into eternity. I'm thankful hearing that they trusted in Christ. But not all of that's the case. You never know what will be God's final call for your life. That's the title of the song we're going to sing here in a minute. God's final call. Now, eternity is too long. Life is too short. Eternity is too long. Not to get it right. You never know what this might be. God's final call for you. So, please, please, here's your call. Someday you'll hear God's final call to you to take his offer of salvation true. This could be it, my friend, if you but knew God's final call, God's final can you live another day in sin, thinking someday with Christ you will begin? Oh, will you hear above the world's loud din? God's final call, God's final call. Reject God's final call of grace. You'll have no chance your footsteps to retrace. All hope will then be gone and doom you'll face. Oh, hear this call. I hope you have heard God's call, and for those of you who raised your hand saying, I still got questions, I still don't know, I'm not sure, but you haven't done anything about it, the invitation, as long as you have breath, stands. God is always willing, always wanting to save, and even those of you who may lack assurance, may have questions, God is still wanting that relationship with you, and he wants you to have that assurance. So I know we, we talked about that last chapel, but don't put that off. Don't, don't leave here thinking, well, good, glad that's done. I'm going to stop thinking about that again. No, no, no. That's God's grace and mercy allowing us to be confronted with it again. Uh, maybe this afternoon as you head out, stop at a restaurant or something, or head back to church or whatever the case is, 
uh, talk to your pastor, talk to your sponsor, talk to your parents. Uh, some of you may not have a parent that is spiritually minded. Perhaps talk to your pastor tomorrow even. Don't wait. Don't put, the, well, you know, maybe this will go away. Don't do that. In fact, I'm going to pray specifically that if you're here and you've not trusted Christ or you have deep questions about salvation, I'm going to pray that you are miserable until you get that settled. Well, that's really nice of you, Brent. No, I, it's biblical. I want you to feel the weight of your sin. I'm going to pray that God convicts you until you realize this is what I need. And you, some of you already know who you are, but don't push it off. Take your Bibles this, this final time and turn with me to the book of Peter. 1 Peter, we're going to start in chapter 1, we're going to wind up in a few minutes in chapter 2, but I want to just tell you a little bit about what's happening in 1 Peter. Here we are at Rekindle, and I've enjoyed the day, I've enjoyed interacting with many of you, enjoyed watching you play games, uh, get caught in the middle and cat in the hat, that was fun, uh, chase a big ball across the field with the wind, the wind won, and the ball won against some of you, but the wind won more against all of us. Uh, I've enjoyed interacting with you, and I've enjoyed meeting some of your sponsors and pastors as well, and uh, enjoyed the skits. That was actually funny. That, that, that was good. I, that, good job, guys. I, I laughed, and I can be kind of a critic of skits at times. How many of you have seen skits at camp that are just, like, lame? Yeah, like me too. But that was good. Way to go. So here we are, rekindle rekindle. How are we going to rekindle what God did? Because I, I don't know about you, but I know about my life growing up, going to camp. That was a highlight. Our church went to the same camp every year, and I still remember some of the messages that were preached. I had favorite preachers from that camp that I went to. I loved it, and I, I love going to camp now. I'll be in, I think, two camps, two or three camps this next summer, uh, three. I think I'm trying to think through my schedule there, and I love interacting with your age group. Um, I love getting out and playing. I didn't do much of it today, but I love playing sports. Um, I love going on the boat, canoes, whatever the horses, whatever the case is. I enjoy camp to the full, just like hopefully you do as well. And so let me challenge you, even now, I know some of you, summer's a long way off there, but be thinking going to camp with your church would be a great spiritual investment, and uh, that would be a great help. But how are we going to rekindle? Because some of us made decisions this summer at camp. We saw God work. Uh, we saw God do something. We heard some messages, some truth, some Bible something that, that challenged us. But then you come back home. You know that Friday or Saturday bus ride, you're like, yeah, that was great. Saturday, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that was good. Sunday, it's kind of back the same old. And then Monday, hey, let's go hang out. Let's do this. Let's watch this. Let's... And oftentimes, I find that a lot of God's people quickly forget, lose, <coughs> excuse me, what God did in their hearts and lives. How do we rekindle what God has done? Well, look at what Peter says here. And Peter in chapter 1 is talking to groups of people that are struggling. He's talking to people that are going through hard times and trials, and it will make sense in a minute. But he's telling them, hey, what you have in Christ is far more valuable. And sometimes at camp, we, we see what we have in Christ. Yes, this is great. We've sung about it, what we have in Jesus. I've appreciated the song today. I hope you have as well. From the singing group, from the men, uh, to the songs we've interacted with, the songs we've sung have been great truth. But Peter's talking about what we have in Christ is far more valuable. Look what it says in verse number four. He says, we have an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We have something special. If you are a blood-bought child of God, then you and I have something incredibly special 
in Jesus. It says in verse number uh, 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In fact, God is doing something in the difficult circumstances in our life. And so these people were looking, going, Brent, I, I just don't have much. I, I don't have much in my life. I don't have much. in right now, I've lost a lot. I came to faith in Christ, and because of that, I've lost everything. Now, no doubt many of us in this room haven't experienced that. Some of you come from good Christian homes. You're homeschooled or Christian school, or you go to a public school, perhaps. And some of you may have experienced a little bit of animosity because you're a Christian, but likely most people give you space. That's usually what happens in our world, but not these people. They're struggling. They're wondering, eh, what, what do I have? And Peter reminds him in this first chapter, what we have is far better in Christ than anything we lose here on this earth. Look what he says over in chapter 1, in verse number, nine, uh, verse number 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. First thing we have to do if we're going to rekindle what God did in our hearts at camp, we have to remember on a consistent basis who we are as Christians. We don't belong here. In fact, in a few verses, he's going to tell us we're strangers and pilgrims. You and I don't belong here. Well, yeah, I do, Brent. This is my home. I'm from Indiana. I'm from Ohio. This is where I belong. No, no, no. If you're a blood-bought child of God, where's your home? Answer out loud. Heaven. We sing a song sometimes. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures should be laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Oftentimes, we try to put them here. But Peter's reminding this group, hey, what you have in Christ is far more valuable than anything you lose down here. What you have in Jesus is incredible. And some of you may come from a well-to-do family. Some of you may not. Some of you may have money. Some of you are like, I think I know what that is, but I haven't seen it in a while. Some of you may have nice clothes. Some of you may not. But truth be told, none of that really matters, does it? It's all going to pass away. It's all going to fade away. I, I joke with people, my clothes one day are going back to Goodwill. Because that's where a lot of my clothes came from. They're, they're not, you know, have you ever seen your parents' yearbook and laughed? Yeah? Guess what's going to happen to your kids one day when they look at your yearbook? Oh, oh I'm cool. I'm, I'm really cool. No, your kids are going to look at your yearbook one day. Dad, what were you thinking with that hair? That's stupid. It's going to happen. Mom, that's hideous. And you're going to be like, wait a minute. No, I was, I was good looking back then. No, Mom, that dress, hideous. What were you thinking? It's going to happen. Because all of this stuff passes away. What do we have that's of real value? Jesus. What's the only thing in a hundred years that will really matter? Not the car you drive in or the church van today. That definitely won't last a hundred years. The way you guys treat them sometimes. Not your vehicles, not your clothes, not your house. What's going to matter a hundred years from now? The Word of God. The only thing that you do with the Word of God and the souls of men. And Peter's saying, what we have in Christ is of the only thing of real value. All our stuff, our, our vehicles, our furniture, our possessions, whatever, it's going to pass away. And these people had, had struggled. They had faced some challenges. They had, they had lost because of their position. They had come to Christ and they had lost. So Peter says, hey, 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 remember what you have in Christ is far more valuable. The trials of your faith are far more precious than gold. God's doing something. Those are a whole other messages in their own. 
So how do we rekindle what God did in our hearts? We've got to get back to realizing what's important. This is important. Christ is important. What I have in Christ is incredibly valuable. And friends, that's the only thing we have in life that really matters. Well, Brent, I wish I was more athletic. So do I sometimes, but honestly, in a few more years, none of us can be able to get around. We're just going to be looking to get out the door. I wish I was better looking. Well, again, probably everyone does. But beauty's vain. You know what you're going to look like? Your grandparents. Isn't that encouraging? Some of you are like, ew. You're going to look like that one day. And you're like, no. Yeah. It's all going to fade. But what won't fade? Jesus. And that's what Peter's trying to draw our attention to. These people had struggled. They were wondering, oh, this is horrible. We've lost so much. This is bad, bad, bad. No, no, no. What we have in Christ is far more valuable. Look what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to put it up on the screen for those of you who don't have a Bible. But look again at your Bible. And again, the reason I want the Bible up on the screen, the reason I want you in your Bible is because I don't want you to trust what I say. And again, that may sound really weird coming from a preacher, but I don't. I want you to see exactly what the Word of God says, because this will change your heart and life. My words won't leave this room, but the Word of God is eternal, and it's changed me. Look what he says in chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside <clears throat> excuse me, all malice and all guile <clears throat> and all coughing, excuse me, <clears throat> wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. We've got a simple, simple outline as we finish today. Simple. Can you handle simple? Some of you are like, I'm tired from big ball. I need simple. Yeah. Some of you, the cat in the hat game was about as much as you could handle. Cat, cat, Sally, who am I? What? It was about as much as you could handle. So simple outline. Verse number one tells us what the, we're supposed to lay aside. We're supposed to lay aside worldly responses to stress. And we're supposed to love the word. Verse two. Or we could say it like this. Verse one, deny the world. Verse two, Drink the word. Are there seniors in this room? Seniors in high school who are about to graduate. Can I see your hand? One, two, three, four. They're all up here. Five? Okay, six. Okay, just a few of you. Okay, there's some seniors in the room. I want to make sure you guys get this, okay, for the seniors here. Okay, you ready? I want to put this on a level that the seniors are going to understand. World, verse one, bad. Word, verse two, good. Did you guys get that? Maybe? Hopefully? Seniors? Hopefully seniors? Okay. I'm being facetious. Hopefully. But this is the outline. Verse 1, world. This is what we're supposed to lay aside. Look at what it says there. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. Sometimes when life gets difficult, as it did for these people, we respond and just... Some, some people are blower-uppers, some people are clamor-uppers. Both are bad. Don't do it. Why? Because of what we have in Christ. What we have in Christ. And that's why that wherefore is there. Wherefore, because of what we have in Jesus, because of our salvation in Christ, because of what he's doing, because of where he's taking, because he's keeping us, wherefore, we should, first of all, lay aside all malice. And sometimes when life gets difficult, when we, things don't go our way, we respond by lashing out to others. And Peter says, don't do that. Don't lash out. The second thing that happens, look at what it says there in the Bible, uh, verse 1, laying aside all malice and all guile. Guile has the idea, and I wrote this down here, 
of a deceit or it's a decoy. It's a deceitfulness that harms others through trickery or falsehood. It's, it's putting on a show, and it's kind of connected to the next sin we'll see there as well, hypocrisy. Sometimes God's people put on a show. They, they act in guile when things don't go their way. Uh, years ago, and these two individuals are now older, and I think both of them are married, but there's these two teen Christian girls who are in a church, and they were at odds with one another. I know that's a shock that two teen Christian girls would ever be at odds with one another because that has never happened in any of your youth groups or churches, I'm sure. Why are you smiling? But there's these two teen girls who are at odds with one another. Well, one Saturday night, one of the girls finds out she has lice. And she goes to church the next morning and gives the other girl a big hug. Hey, good to see you. And the other girl's like, well, maybe our relationship's improving. Until a few hours later when she's... Yeah, that's guile. That's a deceitfulness that harms others. And Peter says, hey, when life gets difficult, when life gets challenging, look to Jesus, remember what you have. Don't lash out at people. Don't lash out in malice. Don't lash out in guile. Don't respond. Or hypocrisies. Hypocrisies is very similar, but it's, it's acting apart as deceit. It's putting on a show of righteousness. Well, look at me, look how good I am. The Pharisees were very good at this, and Jesus called them whited sepulchers. You're full of dead men's bones. You have nothing inside. You're broken. And don't do that either. Don't respond in hypocrisy, because this is the way the world responds. This is the way the unsaved nations respond. This is the way what they do. But because of what we have in Christ, because of who we are, We need to look to Christ, and we don't have to respond in malice. We don't have to respond in guile. We don't have to respond in hypocrisies. And we don't have to respond, look at fourthly, envies. Now, let's be honest. How many of us, at some point in time in our life, have wished we were in a different set of circumstances? We've wished we had a different body type. We wish we had a different type of academic skills, or just some academic skills. We wish we uh, had... um, uh, perhaps a different, uh, athlete, uh, more athleticism. We wish we could hoop it up with the other guys. We wish we had the moves. Uh, we wish we were more, we've all wished, we wish we had more money. Wish I was born in that family. That, that family gets to do this and this and this on vacation. Those kids always get to have those clothes. And here I am going to Goodwill again. Great. We've all been there where we've envied other people. Now here's what Peter says. Don't do that. Why? Wherefore? What's the wherefore there in the verse? Because of what we have in Christ. So if we're going to rekindle what God's doing in our life, first thing we have to do is we got to go back and we got to look and see who God is. What we have in Christ is far more valuable. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies. And then what's that last thing? Say it with me. Thank you, seven of you. Appreciate that. Let's all say it together. Evil speakings. Sometimes when life gets a little bit challenging, when things don't go exactly our way, when we don't get what we thought we deserved, when there's disappointments, we lash out, we cut down, we speak evil about the other people. And Peter says, hey, 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 don't do that. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember what God's done in your heart. Remember what we have in Jesus. And that's real. That's a value. Don't lash out. Lay aside malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. 
But then we're supposed to do something else. And this is really the heart of the message. This is where we're going to be. A few more minutes, we're done. So look what he says there in verse number 2. 1 Peter 2, 2. If you have your Bible, look along with me. If not, it's going to be up on the screen here. Look what it says. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How many of you, your parents, ever, when you were growing up, looked at you and said, hey, son, hey, daughter, stop acting like a baby. Or maybe some of you parents uh, have done that for the sponsors. You've got, you got young kids and you, you've done that. How many of you have ever heard that or you've said that to somebody? Stop acting like a baby. Time to grow up. Stop acting like a baby. Yeah, some of you are, I'm not raising my hand, but you know, it's up there. Well, here Peter says the exact opposite. Look again what it says here. It's up on the screen or it's in your Bible. As newborn babes, just like a newborn baby, Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's a command. Just like a newborn baby. How many of you have ever interacted with a brand new baby? Like the newest model still has a new model smell on it. Okay, I'm being facetious on the new model smell. What do little babies want to do? Eat. How often do they want to eat? Yes, they do. So think about it. If you've ever, some of you are like, I don't know, I'm, I'm the youngest in my family. I've never been around a little kid. You're missing out on life. But what do little babies want to do? They want to eat. And how often do they want to eat? Yes, all the time. I got, I got six, and I won't embarrass my two oldest ones that are here. But um, yeah, I, I can testify to the fact that all my kids were healthy eaters, and they love to eat. How often do babies want to eat? Every 15, 20 minutes if you let them. So, how often do you and I want to eat? Some of you I know, I could go by your pantry or your fridge and you kind of just graze as you walk by. Hey mom, I just ate 15 minutes ago, but what's for dinner? And you just, you, you just open the fridge, you open the pantry, you're always walking by grabbing something, cracker, cookie, whatever the case is. I, I got kids at home too. But how often do we like to eat? Yeah, we do, don't we? We like to eat a lot. So, listen to this. Look again in your Bible or look up there. As newborn babes, or just like newborn babies, you and I are supposed to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. It's desirable, the fact that we're supposed to desire it just like a newborn baby does. So let me ask you, as we're thinking about this whole subject of rekindle, how are we going to rekindle what God did in our hearts at camp? Let me ask you. Camp was, what, two months ago, three months ago? Seems like maybe four months ago for some of you even. How are we going to rekindle what God did in our hearts at camp? Let's ask, consider, what's our desires? You know, we all have these phones, or not all of us perhaps, but most of us have these phones. And it's very easy to get distracted by dumb stuff. You just waste your time away. And it may not be evil, though some of you may need to, may need to have some conversation about what's on your phone, what you're doing on your phone. But it's easy just to get distracted and spend 15, 20 minutes watching some cat do somersaults. Why did it? What did, Lord, forgive me. I, just, wait, I don't even like cats. What in the world? It's easy to waste time. It's easy to desire things that may not be evil but aren't good. And yet Peter says, look what it says there. Again, just like newborn babies or as a newborn babe, you and I are supposed to desire the sincere milk of the word. Why is that? Because of what we have in Christ. And some of you may be thinking, well, Brent, I thought milk was bad. We're supposed to be on the meat. 
well, obviously Paul uses that in Corinthians, and Hebrews, the author of Hebrews uses that. Peter's using a different analogy here. Milk is actually good. He's saying, just like newborn babies desire milk, what do they do at 2 a.m. in the morning? I want to eat. You and I are supposed to desire the sincere milk of the word. So let me challenge you. When's the last time you wanted to read your Bible? I'm not talking about for points or for competition or for whatever. Though those are all good. I'm all for getting God's people into the Word of God. When's the last time you wanted to open your Bible and to read? That should be on a regular basis. Why? Because of what we have in Christ. Because this world is not our home. Everything we see on TikTok or Instagram or be whatever social media platform comes out this next year, who knows? Whatever we see on that is not eternal. It's not. What is eternal is what we have in Jesus. That's what we have to concentrate on. If we're concentrating on that, you know what's going to happen? We're going to want what God wants. We're going to want the Word of God. So let me challenge us that the Word of God should be our first desire. It should be what we desire more than sports. I enjoy college football. We joked about it, I think, the first service. But, you know, it, it can be empty. It can be, you can spend all day looking at scores. Heaven help us. It's not evil, at least not yet. But it's not, it's not spiritually, it's just, it's empty. I enjoy a lot of things. I enjoy uh, studying, I enjoy research, I enjoy working with my hands, but none of that is eternal. What you and I should be doing and how we should be desiring is the Word of God on a consistent basis. Lord, I need your Word. Lord, I need your truth. I need to know you. I want to know you. I want to learn more about you. Friend, is that your heart's desire? If not, it can be. It could be, and it even should be. That's how we're going to rekindle, getting to know God again, seeing God for who He is and having that relationship with Him. Go back to the first service. God's got plan, God's got purpose, and God's got pleasure for you. How is that purpose going to take place? How are we going to find God's purpose? At thy right hand, walking with Him, knowing Him, loving Him, trusting Him. So not only is the Word of God desirable, but look also at the passage again. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, we're supposed to desire it, but it's also, it's pure. How many of you have seen a baby take a bottle? Can I see your hands? Here's what, I, I've never seen this happen, but maybe you've seen this happen. You hand a baby the bottle, and happy day when the baby can hold its own bottle. But you hand a baby a bottle of whatever, and... Uh, I've never seen this happen. Maybe you have. Well, they unscrew the lid, and they smell. They get their dropper set out, and they put some into petri dishes, and they add some uh, enzymes to it to test for bacterial growth. They send some away to, for lab analysis, and then when they get it back, then they screw the lid back on, and then they drink their bottle. Right? What do they do? Um, 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 and you got to stop them halfway through, and bleh, they burp. I'm being a little bit descriptive here, but you know, I'm trying to keep you awake too. They don't, they don't, they trust that what you're giving them is good, right? Because they don't, they, they don't, you have to tell kids what's bad for them. You know, I've had kids eat, some of my own kids eat disgusting things. I'll spare you the details, but wow, you, you find half a bug in your house and you're wondering, where's the other? Oh, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Don't want to know disgusting, disgusting, because naturally kids just think whatever they can pick up and put in their mouth is good for them, right? Well, look again at the passage here. 
Peter says as newborn babes are just like babies, we're supposed to desire the sincere milk of the word. The word sincere there is the direct opposite from verse 1 of guile. You and I don't have to come to the word of God going, hmm, is this passage really supposed to be in here? I have, I have been to cemeteries many times. I mean seminary, sorry. Um, many times, and I have interact with people, though thankfully not, none of them are my professors, but I've interacted with people who think, oh, I don't think really think this passage needs to be in the Bible. I don't think this passage needs... And I'm thinking, who are you to tell me that what should and shouldn't be in the Bible? Every word of God is pure. Every other book you pick up, your science book at school, especially if you go to public school, uh, you're, you, you open up and you're watching a documentary. I enjoy those sometimes. And they talk about billions and billions of years ago, the earth, blah, blah, blah. And instantly you know where they're coming from. I enjoy their research, but disagree completely with their worldview and their premise. But you read any book, even Christian books, you read any material, any, any fiction, any nonfiction, any work you read, anything, anybody you listen to, you have to keep your guard up. You have to think, well, wait a minute, are they saying truth? Is this absolutely truth? Is this right? What are they saying here? But with this book right here, you don't have to do that. It is sincere. So not only is it desirable, but it's also pure. You don't have to wonder, well, you know, I don't know if I can really trust this passage right here because Dr. So-and-so and the, this guy on YouTube said that this really... No, 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 forget them. The Word of God is pure. The disciples believed, in fact, they died for it. If they, didn't, if they didn't believe, in they, then they wouldn't have died for it. But they died because the word of God is true, and Jesus is risen. And every word he said is true. And that way we know this book is legitimate. It is accurate. So not only is it desirable milk, but it's also pure milk. It's sincere. It's not going to lead you astray. You don't have to wonder, well, I, I listened to this guy, and he said this, and then I listened to this guy, and he was saying something different. And then I listened to this person, and they said something different. I don't, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. You don't have to be like that. You can follow the Word of God, and the Word of God won't lead you astray. Do you ever get confused in this world? I do. You, you listen to the news, and one news network says, oh, it was this person who did this and this this, and it was the reason, this was the reason they did this. And you're like, oh, really? And you listen to another news network. Oh, no, these are the facts, and this is the reason they have I'm like, who are we supposed to believe here? What a mess. You will never get confused, led astray, when you anchor your life in the Word of God, ever, you can take it to the bank and trust it completely. So not only is it desirable, we're commanded to desire as newborn babes are just like babies, desire sincerely long after the uh, valuable or pure milk of the Word. Notice that last phrase and we're done. Look at that last phrase. Can you say it with me? That ye may grow thereby. That ye may grow thereby. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to grow as Christians? Can I see your hand? Some of you are like, I just want to sleep now, Brent. I can, I can see that in your faces, yeah. Again, let me ask you again. How many of you want to really grow as a Christian? Give me your hand. Yeah, I believe you. My hand's up too. I believe in this room today, we've had a lot of young men and women who sincerely want to grow as Christians. So you want to know how? You want to know how? Do you? Okay, listen carefully. I'm going to tell you. Are you listening? Here's how you grow. You need to go to cemetery, I mean seminary, 
and study theology, the deeper things of the Word of God, for probably about eight, nine, maybe ten years. Learn all the original languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, of course, for five, six years. Sit under learned men for several decades, and then, and maybe then, you can know the deep things of the Word of God. No. Aren't you thankful that's not the way it is? Okay, how many of you again want to grow? I want to grow. Okay, pay attention. I'm going to show you how to grow. Okay, you with me? Still with me? Okay. You have this ball on top of your neck called a head. Right? All of you are here with heads. Be weird if you didn't. Okay. Inset into your head, you got these things called eyes. Don't poke them. It hurts. Don't, don't poke them. It hurts. Okay, back in grade school, you learned what these black squiggles meant, right? Did you learn what these black squiggles meant? Yeah? In our culture, we, we learn the black. They're like animal tracks. They tell us exactly what's happening. So you learn what these black squiggles meant. Here we go. Here we go. You paying attention? Here's what you do. You're awake. You, do you want to grow? You with me? Okay. Stay with me. Stay awake and open this. Ooh. I know. Deep. Hard. Open. What do we have to do? Open the Bible. Say it with me. Open the Bible. Okay. Then, take this right here and move it down. What do you do? Move it down. And then, in our culture, we go top to bottom, left to right. You read. What do we do? Read. You know what happens? You grow. No, Brett, I, I need something magical. I, I came here today for that, that special little genuine nugget of truth. I need something just absolutely magical. What's that special secret? Read your Bible. Brent, I want to rekindle what I learned at camp. I want to grow. I want to be passionate for Christ. I want to have a vision. I, want, I, I don't want to be that blind person we talked about from, from 2 Peter 1. I want to have a passion. How am I going to have this passion? Read your Bible. Brent, no, no, no. But I, I, want to, I want to see God work in my life. I want to know what, what's, that special, what's that special truth I need. Read your Bible. That's it. Notice again what it says there. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. Say those last words with me. That ye may grow thereby. Here's what happens. Listen carefully. I know I'm being simplistic. I'm not trying to insult anybody, but I'm doing it to get our attention. How do I grow as a Christian? You learned it in Sunday school, didn't you? Read your Bible, pray every day. You remember that song? Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're singing. I sang it as a kid. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you what? Grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you what? Shrink, shrink, shrink. It's still true. Still true. And what Peter is saying here is, hey, lay aside the worldly response to distress. Don't lash out in malice or guile or envies or hypocrisies or anger. But rather, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And some of you right now are saying, Brent, Brent, I, I've tried that, and I've, I've started in a Bible reading, praise the Lord, and I got to Leviticus, and it stalled. It's just like, what am I reading here? Oh, Brent, I, 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 I get distracted. 
Join the club. How many of you get distracted when you're reading your Bible? Can I see your hand? Yeah. How many of you start thinking about all the things you have to do that day when you're reading your Bible, if you're reading in the morning? Yes, my hand's up too. You know what I've learned? We have these wonderful things called phones that you can play the Bible from you. It will play the Bible to you. And I oftentimes now, because I get distracted, will have my Bible open, I'm reading it, and I'm having it played to me. Uh, Mr. Scorby's reading it to me while I'm going through the Bible. It helps me focus. I drive a lot. In fact, I'll be driving this afternoon, as some of you will as well. And I enjoy, when I'm driving, listening to the Bible. And it helps me. But Brent, I, I don't always understand everything I read. I have questions. Again, join the club. Same here. But you know what I don't do? I don't, man, I can't understand this. Throw that aside. No. This is a new Bible to me. I just picked up this, uh, this, this actual Bible this summer and have been in it, so I don't have a lot of my notes in here just yet. But my old Bible that I had used for decades, in fact, I had a lot of question marks on the side margins. What do you mean? You were questioning the Word of God? No, I just didn't know what it was meaning. I didn't know what it was saying, so I put a question mark. You know one of the great joys of life has been? To go back through years later sometimes and, oh, I, I, I didn't know what that meant. I know what that means now because this passage here and this passage here and this passage here. Keep reading the Word of God. And as you and I do, you know what happens? We grow. We understand. We, we know more of what God has for our life. You can grow. So, Brent, I want to rekindle. I want to see God work in my heart and life. Read your Bible. Brent, what's the deep, dark truth? What's the secret truth that we need to take away from here as we leave? Read your Bible. And as you read your Bible, you know what's going to happen? What does it say? That ye may what? Again, let me ask you, how many want to grow? My hand's up. How are you going to grow? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put my Bible under my pillow at night and hopefully grow. I'm going to get around good people. We should get around good people. But no, I'm going to read my Bible. There's other means as well that God has for us. Peter talks about it later about joining together. Hebrews talks about it immensely, that you and I need to be in church tomorrow morning this is not a substitute for church. This is a help. Tomorrow morning, every single one of you should be in your Bible preaching church. Guaranteed. No questions. Well, I, I'm not going to I got... No, no, no. Put aside the excuses. Be in your Bible preaching church with your eyes open and awake and listening in your Bible open. You know what's going to happen? You'll grow. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Notice verse 3, and we're done. That's the end of this thought. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter's saying, if you've tasted the grace of God, if you've experienced the grace of God, then it's time for you and I to lay aside the world and love the word. To deny what the world says to do and drink the word. Or for our seniors here, the world bad, word good. So you get, hopefully the seniors got that. I just want to put that on a level you guys can get. I'm for you. I'm excited for you. And even, yes, in 2023, with the question marks in our society, in our world, economically, politically, religiously, all those, the word of God is still true. And you can have a phenomenal life. You can have a phenomenal year. You don't have to just go, go from camp to camp. Oh, camp's great. Oh, I'm going to struggle the rest of the year. Camp's great. Oh, here we go. No, no. You can rekindle it on a daily basis. You can see God work in your heart and life. And how is that possible? Through the Word of God. What makes camp so good? Preaching. It's the Word. 
yeah, I love campfires. I love horseback, boats, canoes, whatever, whatever the activities are, big ball. But what makes camp camp is the fact that you and I can step aside from the world, we turn our phones in, we open up the Word of God, and we're under sound Bible preaching and teaching. That's what makes camp good. Well, why does that have to stop? Because you know what you could do? What if we approached every church service like we do camp? We turned off our phone fully. We got excited. And we maybe even, I don't want to suggest playing big ball in the auditorium, but maybe we got excited and we prepared our heart like we do prepare for going to camp. And we came with an expectation. I, I'm, I'm apart from the world. I want to hear from the Word of God. Well, maybe that would revolutionize us and it'd help us grow and stay kindled. And we wouldn't have to be rekindled. But I know what it's like to live in this world. I know what it's like to be distracted. And I'm, I'm for you. I'm excited about what God has for your life. But those of you who are here and you haven't trusted Christ, you've, you've pushed it off, you're, you're a little scared. Don't do that any longer. Don't push it off. Maybe some of you have questions still. Again, I'm going to be here for a few minutes afterward. Come up to me. Hey, Brent, I don't know. I got questions. Go up to your sponsor. Go up to your pastor tomorrow. And say, hey, I've got questions. I don't know. We'd love to help you. Can we all bow our head and close our eyes? As I close today, we're not going to have an invitation, but I do want to pray for you. If, you. if you say, Brent, I want to grow. I want to mention you in my, this final prayer. Brent, I want to grow. I, I want to stay kindled. I need to be rekindled on a regular basis, but I want to stay hot. I want to stay on fire. I want to grow as a Christian. And today God spoke. He helped me with assurance. I, I, I maybe perhaps struggle with the goodness of God in my life, but God challenged me. Through his word today, God challenged me. I want to grow. I want to do what God wants for my life. Would you pray for me that I'll stay in the word of God, that I'll stay connected, kindled to what God has for my heart and life? How many of you, that's your heart's desire? Brent, I want to stay in the Word. Would you lift your hand to that? Amen. Amen. Father, would you help us, myself included? It's so easy to let this world control us, control our reactions. Would we not respond in malice or guile, hypocrisy or envy or evil speaking? Would you help us rather, because of what we have in Christ, to love the world, love, love the Word, to lay aside all the worldly responses, but rather drink the sincere milk of the word that won't lead us astray, and that you've promised that as we love your word, as we are in it, as we meditate, as we read it, as we study it, as we listen to it preached, as we think through it, as we journal it, as we, as we imbibe it into our life, you will grow us. Would that be what is said about these teenagers this year? Would every single one of them get into the Word of God on a regular basis to help them find a time, to help them reestablish a time, give wisdom to pastors and youth pastors and sponsors and ways to challenge them to stay faithful in Bible reading, help them be creative, perhaps. Lord, would they use the technology available to them, but would they stay plugged into your Word? And Lord, because of that, we know that when we desire your Word, you've promised that we'll grow. And Lord, I pray that you'd help those teenagers here who are struggling, questioning, wondering about salvation, who still have question marks, would you help them find somebody, even myself or one of the pastors here, even tonight, that they would get those question marks answered? Lord, we love you. We trust you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this one-day conference. Would this not just be a once and done, but would be a once and continue?
Help us to keep going in truth. In Jesus' name, amen.